Hi Famichos Waterside, welcome to another edition of Sunday Night Local. It's great to have you with us. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing a word of God with you uh, this evening. Um, so let's just have open hearts, you know, for what God uh, wants to say. Um, just a couple of other things I just wanted to mention. Um, so um, just some things that are coming up just while people are still, um, still joining. Um, yes, big hi to you and big hi, obviously, if you're watching this later as well, if you're watching this on catch up. Um, we've got some things that are coming up. Um, I've sent emails and texts out a bit out about these. Um, so just check your emails and texts for all the kind of detailed info on it. But we've got some parenting workshops, some completely free parenting workshops um, coming up. Um, the first one's this coming Thursday um, at 8 and one couple of weeks later and then one the week after that on a Monday. Um, but again, I said all the info's in the text, but they're completely free. Um, there's a lady called Lorraine Lee who's, um, you know, she does this for a living. She's a, uh, a parenting practitioner, a real expert kind of in the field. So yeah, that'd be great. So I encourage you to sign up for those. Um, they'll be on just what you watch on Zoom. You just need to sign up uh, for that. And I've sent the links out to you. Um, and also this time next week, there won't be a Sunday night local because we've got something uh, really special again. Um, we've got a refocus meeting. So you may remember right back in June, the end of June, I think it was, we did our first refocus meeting just to kind of after the first lockdown ended and kind of getting just refocused on, on you know, kind of what was next for the church and kind of where we're we going. So this is an, uh, our second refocus meeting uh, this time next week at eight. Um, you can watch it on YouTube and I believe that one will be on Facebook as well. Um, and I'd really, really encourage you if you can to watch it live, but if you, if you can't watch it live to catch up later because um, Pastor Andy and Gina are just going to be sharing kind of their hearts about kind of what's next uh, for the church and kind of where, where we're going next and, and the pastors from each of the family church uh, locations will be sharing kind of updates and what's happening um, in their worlds and in their areas as well so it'll be really, really good so I'd really encourage you to be part of that so that's this time uh, next week and then the following week we'll be back to Sunday night local again so that'd be that'd be awesome so praise God. So I trust we're ready for the word of God. So let's let's just pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, you'll speak to, into our hearts, Lord, this evening. Just say what you want to say. Lord, do what you need to do. Lord, do heart surgery, Lord, in a spiritual sense, Lord, and whatever you need to do, Lord, in our lives. Change, change our thinking, change, change our hearts, change any attitudes, Lord. Do, just do what you need to do in us, Lord. We just want to be just totally submitted, Lord, to your word and to your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue on the fruit of the spirit. In fact, we're actually going to conclude the series on the fruit of the spirit. Um, so this is the tenth week we've done this. We do an intro week, and then we've looked at each of the aspects of the fruit week by week. Love and joy and peace and patience, just in the order that they they're written in the scripture there. And that's in, written in Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. Of course, for the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and joy, not joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which we looked at last week, and self-control. So we're going to look at self-control uh, tonight and just, just believe God's got some uh, awesome truths he wants to bring out to us. God wants us to live a self-controlled life, and that may sound uh, daunting, may sound difficult. Yeah, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, that can sound a bit tricky, but yeah, God's going to help us all through that. So we're going to learn some great truths uh, this evening. Don't forget that we've also been looking at... 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you realise your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit literally dwells in us. And part of him dwelling in us and being submitted to him is he wants to grow these aspects um, of the fruit in us, uh, all the different different nine aspects of that. Awesome. So last week we looked at um, gentleness and we looked at how, how 
uh, God was gentle, how Jesus went on his earth, how God is gentle, how Jesus when he was on his earth, um, you know, had a gentle attitude. We looked at Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke and yet learn, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So his attitude, Jesus' attitude towards people, it was gentle and humble. And, his, and over and over again, of course, Jesus would show empathy and compassion towards people, just surmising what we did last week. We show empathy and compassion for people, but that was all a result of his, his gentle heart. Um, and then we also looked at what does that actually mean for us? And we looked at this, this, this parable, Luke 8, uh, 18, 9 to 14. Jesus said this, to some who were confident, he told this story, this parable, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men up, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other the tax collector. And the tax collectors were very hated. Maybe tax collectors aren't that popular these days. I don't know. But in, in those times, um, yeah, were very much hated. They were seen as traitors. They worked for the Romans. Um, and they used to rip, majorly rip people off as well. Anyway, so one was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I pass twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, beat his breast, and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who humble themselves, so, sorry, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we looked at those great truths, and Jesus here is talking about pride, and the pride basis self-righteous, thinking that we're right in our own strength. Pride looks down on others, and the key to it is to be gentle. And the word, the word that's translated as gentle um, can also be translated as being, as being humble, and you know that's basically what it means, having humility before God, being gentle-hearted and soft-hearted uh, before God, because those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility is key if you want to lead a successful Christian life is being submitted to God, being humble before him, and then he will, he will lift you up. Amen. But those who are, you know, have self-righteous and pride, then God's going to kind of bring them down. Um, you know, and that's, that's not good. Right. Amen. Jesus talks about take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, you have no choice, no option but to take up the cross and follow me. It's all about self-denial and submitting ourselves to the will of God. So that's what we looked at last week about being gentle and gentle and humble. So we come on to self-control tonight. And... The final, the final aspect, and as we've done in previous weeks, I'm going to look at the, the Greek word because it just, just kind of brings it to life a bit more about what's being said here by Paul. So the Greek word that's used um, in verse 23 is enkrataia, maybe, <laughs> and it means it literally means self-control or the virtue of someone who, who masters their desires and passions, especially their sensual appetites. So that just means appetites that that you know that please the senses you know, so obviously well hopefully you know that as human beings we have five senses that scientists say we can see and hear and touch and taste and smell those five senses so it's someone who has basically is in control of them who masters their desires and passions and and their senses they're in, they're in control of them they master they master them rather than being mastered by them and that greek word enkrateia it comes from another word Enkratas, a similar similar word. A lot of Greek words have like another <laughs> root word that they come from. And that can mean strong and robust. It can mean having power over, again, or mastering, controlling, restraining. Um, so you get that same emphasis again. It's all about kind of strength. It's about it's about control. It's about it's about mastering, um, you know, mastering a situation and having complete 
control and, and dominion um, over that situation. And that's, that's what Paul's saying here. And this may sound, you know, it sounds difficult, isn't it? Well, man, that's hard. But this is what Paul's saying. This is another aspect of the fruit that, that, that God desires to grow in us, is to have control, to have mastery um, in life. For us to be in control of situations rather than situations um, controlling us or having power over situations that we find ourselves in rather than feeling or being overpowered. Amen. So that's, that's the essence of what Paul was saying here. So you get a lot from looking at the Greek there. Now, as we've done in previous weeks, we're going to look at start, start with Jesus and start with, with Jesus' heart and how he operated out of this. We know that the fruit of the Spirit, they're basically a description of Jesus, aren't they? Sort of love and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness. And, and also self, self-controlled. Jesus was incredibly self-controlled. Obviously, he was perfectly self-controlled because he's perfect in all that he did. And there are so many examples um, you can look at through the Gospels where, where Jesus was just had total mastery over the situations. You know, if we've been in the situations, I don't know if we've made the same decisions, but Jesus, who fully submitted to the will of God, completely humble before God, humble before his Father, as we talked about last week, but he, he had, you know, because of that, he had just total control in every situation. Situations did not control him. They did not master him. He mastered them. Just want to look at just two um, kind of examples of that. And the first one's in Matthew 26, uh, verse 47. So Matthew 26, verse 47 to 53, this is the arrest of Jesus just before the um, just before the crucifixion. It says this, whilst he, that's Jesus, was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. That's Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, who betrays him, of course. With him was a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer, so that's Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Oh, what a sad way, you know, that they would identify Jesus in that way, that he was, you know, completely, um, you know, giving up, giving up Jesus um, into the crowd. What a sad way to do that. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Verse 50, Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Even to the end, Jesus was calling him a friend. Amazing. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions which we know from some of the other Gospels was, was Peter, but it doesn't, isn't recorded in Matthew who it was. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So Peter thought that was a good idea, or we're going to help the situation. He's missing, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, of course, this was all God's plan. Verse 52, Jesus said, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? A legion meaning a thousand, so 12,000 angels. So again, you, you see in this, this example here where Jesus has complete control over the situation. And, and you know, if you're looking at it from the outside, especially looking at the time before they knew, uh, before the disciples were fully aware of what was going on here, um, and that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, although he had told them over and over again, that's what he was going to do. Um, if you looked at you, you'd think that Jesus was completely out of control, that, that Judas was in control of the situation, or the chief priests were in charge of the situation, or this crowd that was armed with clubs was um, in the charge of the situation. But the reality was that Jesus had complete mastery and complete self-control in this situation. There was nothing that was going to, uh, you know, set him off course, or nothing was going to happen that he wouldn't allow to happen. Like he said, he could, could I, do you not think I can call on my father? Call on Father God and he will send me 12,000 
angels to come and rescue me? Of course I can. They're not in control of the situation. I am in total control. You see this again, the, the temptation of Jesus, where Jesus tempted by the devil uh, before the start of his ministry. Um, it's recorded in Matthew 4, verse 8 to 10. It says this. So Jesus goes out into the, as you know, Jesus goes out into the wilderness before his ministry and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says this again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So again, Jesus was in total control of this, this situation. There was nothing the devil was going to try and do to get Jesus off course. Jesus knew what his, his goal was. He knew that his whole purpose was to come and, and obviously show us how to live and free as a ministry. But his ultimate goal was, was to die on a cross and to, and to pay for our salvation. You know, we've been bought at a price. Amen. And an incredible price that Jesus paid for us. And he was going to rise from the dead and defeat death and, and sin uh, once and for all. Jesus was not going to be dissuaded. No, the devil promising that he was going to, could, could give him things or could give him, give him power. And, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I can give you, I can give you all of this. You know, Jesus had complete mastery and control over the situation. He dealt with the devil, and look at that a bit later about dealing with the devil. But he dealt with the devil and had complete mastery in that situation. He would not be, you know, distracted to the left or distracted to the right. He knew what his goal was, what God's, you know, God's plan for him was. Amen. So he showed great control on the cross itself. You know, Jesus, Jesus was just incredible, wasn't he? On the on the cross himself. You know, when they as they were crucifying. Then, then Jesus prayed to his father and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Even all the kind of all that was costing him physically and in terms of the pain, you know, and the horrible death that the Romans had come up with a crucifixion, what was costing him emotionally, his mum was there watching and, and his disciples had fled, and all that was costing him spiritually in the sense of you know what he what it, the weight of what he was actually doing was was redeeming mankind um you know at that very moment. And amongst all that kind of um kind of turmoil all that's going on around him he could say father forgive them if i do not know what they were doing he still had total control in that situation it felt you would have looked you look in that situation it would have looked like events were controlling jesus but the reality was completely opposite jesus was controlling events and was in total control uh, of who he was and and you know what was going to happen in that situation he could say father forgive them. they don't even know what they're doing father you know, they're, they're crucifying me and killing me and they don't really understand the reality that's happening here. So Jesus, and we look at loads and loads of examples, they literally would be absolutely, absolutely tons, there's just, just two, uh, just two there, where, where Jesus just showed mastery over situations. Amen. So in all ways, as always, Jesus is a perfect example to us. So if Jesus can do it, we can do it, right? We're not the son of God, no, but our sinful natures be dealt with and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And, and Jesus showed us how we can be victorious. Um, and, and Jesus showed how, how we can help us. In Hebrews, Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews said this, For we do not have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet do not sin. So, so Jesus was tempted in every single way. Jesus was tempted in any way that a human being um, could possibly be tempted by power or, or, or women or tempted to, to, to follow his own will rather than the will of the Father and, you know, tempted by glory for, tempted by glory for himself or be tempted to lie and tempted to steal. All the things that people can be affected by, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way. 
but yet he did not sin. He had complete mastery. He was victorious. So that's kind of the, the great news uh, for you tonight. Maybe you're struggling with some stuff in your life. Maybe there's some, some habits in your life that you know need to change and that God's been challenging you and convicting you on that. What I want to say to you tonight is you can be victorious. You know, no, there is no situation, there is no circumstance, there is no, there is no sin that has any right to, to have mastery over you. You know, your sinful nature is, is gone, it's dead and buried. The old is gone and the new has come. So sin has no right to be victorious in your life. Amen. So he, he shows how to live and he can empathise with our weakness because he was tempted in every way, not sin. So there, let us then approach God's throne, this is verse 16, let us then approach God's throne with confidence, uh, God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace, and that means unmerited favour, to help us in our time of need. So he, Jesus totally empathetic towards our weaknesses because he's lived on the, this earth as a human being, was tempted in every way. And when we do we do mess up, we can approach God's throne with confidence and experience mercy and grace. I'm only, only pleased about that, that. In any situation, we can approach God's throne with mercy and grace. He empathises with our weakness. Do we need to sort things out with God if we mess up? Yes. But can, but do we need to beat ourselves up about it? Do we need to... Um, you know, have some sort of false humility and say that we're a worm and we're not deserving of God's grace. No, that's that's, that's rubbish. That's that's not God's heart towards us. We can approach with confidence um, his, his throne of grace, his throne of unmerited favour because of what Jesus won on the cross for us. Amen. 1 John 1 9, if you confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the heart of God. We just need to come back to God and say, God, I just want to put these things right. I want to confess my sins before you, not because God doesn't know about them, but it's just that there's power in the art, in, you know, in the act of, of confession, and, and you know, and admitting them before God and being humble. Talk about what we talked about last week, being humble before God, because then when you're humble, then, then then you'll be exalted. God will lift you back up. So as we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm so I'm so pleased about that. What an incredible God that we have. Amen. So we have a great, we have an amazing God. He's willing to forgive us. We can approach God's throne of grace and confidence. But God does want us to, to grow in the, in the aspect of the fruit of self-control. God absolutely wants us to grow in that. And you know, as we said, sin has no right to have any mastery um, in our lives. So I'm going to look at four different ways um, that we can live in a self-control where there could be others, but there's, there's, there's four main ones um, that we're going to look at tonight. Time's, time's flying, flying by this evening. So how do we live in a self-controlled way? So number one, we're going to look at scriptures for each of these to back these up. Choose to live a disciplined life. Now the Bible says, says calls us, us disciples in when we're, when we're uh, commanded to go as the Great Commission to go into all the world. We're called to go and make disciples. Jesus said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. The 12 who followed Jesus were called his disciples, weren't they? We're called uh, to be disciples and that means to be disciplined. Um, to, to live a disciplined life, to choose to live a disciplined life. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote about this a number of times. One aspect I want to look at is where he wrote to Corinth, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Paul says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 
So Paul here uses the analogy of an athlete. You know, we can sometimes think of sport as a very modern thing, but sport has been around for thousands of years. And, and you know, even back then in, you know, Bible times when this was written, and, and they'd be running races and maybe look different than how it was today. But yeah, be running races and, and athletes and people who get prizes and a lot of glory, you know, for those who, who won races, that kind of stuff. So he uses that, uses that analogy. Uh, run in such a way as to get the prize and if, if, you, if you're going to compete in the games then then you need to go into training in other words you need to live a disciplined life you know um, but then paul uses that analogy to say but we're not just going for a crown that will not last just some sort of like you know in our modern uh analogy you know an olympic gold medal we're doing for a crown that will last forever you know a medal from god you know it's just far more important than any kind of natural kind of medal Therefore, and then Paul says, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I, I make my body my slave. So choose to live a disciplined life. So basically, who is in control? Who is in control of what's going on in your life? Paul made his body a slave. What he, meant, what he means by that is he made it completely subject uh, to God. He uses that example of, of an athlete. He, he, and then he talks about being spiritually, spiritually fit. You know, and that is a choice. What are we going to do in this crown that will last forever? Uh, what are we going to do about it? Now, a couple uh, a couple of years ago, myself and Jack had a um, a, a tour of Southampton FC Stadium, and because we support Southampton, <laughs> it was a fun thing to do. <laughs> the things that we like, that was a great thing to do. Anyway, so we had a whole tour of the stadium, and then you get to go into, into the players' changing rooms. No players are there, obviously, um, but you get to go into the players' changing rooms. And there's one thing that really kind of struck me. They had this thing up on the wall, and it basically it basically had all the rules of uh, kind of discipline that the players had to follow. Now I know the players get obscene amounts of money, and I don't disagree with that. <laughs> they, um, you know, I don't disagree. They do receive obscene amounts of money, and that's kind of a whole other issue. Um, but kind of putting that whole aside, it kind of talks about how they, um, you know, it talks about how they got to live a disciplined life. It's just about how much water they have to drink, and I think it's like I don't know five liters a day. Um, seems like crazy, man. You'd be like going to the toilet every five minutes. But anyway, I suppose they burn it all off. You know, it's all about their diet and how much sleep they had to get and um, how much sleep they had to get at night. And you know, they can't just go go out and be all night all night out of the town and all those kind of things. It's quite a strict regime they have to follow because they have to be very, very fit. And there's a thing in football terms and being other sports as well, where it's called being match fit. And like, if you've been injured, you have to you train for a while before you can be match fit um, again. Because you basically won't be able to run for 90 minutes <laughs> you know if you've been eating too many mars bars uh, or eating too much ice cream you're not gonna be able to run around um you know for 90 minutes on a football pitch <laughs> it's gonna be incredibly difficult for you so you have to get match fit um in, in training and so it literally means you're fit in order to play a match so just using that analogy to follow on again like what paul was saying here that god wants us to be match fit he wants us to be spiritually fit yeah, but it comes down to a choice to live a disciplined life. Say, so, God, whatever you need me to do, whatever you desire me to do, whatever I need to lay down in my life, whatever I need to lay down at your feet, whatever these temptations are, are coming upon me, just make a choice. I'm going to live a self-controlled life, God. That is my heart's desire. I want to live for that crown that will last. And, you know, keep perspective in life. You know, this 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 life that we we live is 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 tiny compared to eternity. Amen. Let's stay eternally focused. Let's, of course, be preaching to the lost and, um, you know, reaching those people in our world and, you know, using all that great stuff we're learning in Pastor Andy Soul in a book, you know, to reach our world. So absolutely, be using that time well. Um, you know, but this, this is only just a tiny speck, you know, of, of eternity, um, you know, compared to eternity. Let's, let's be living for a crown that will last. Amen.
keep perspective in life and make the choice to live a disciplined life before God. Amen. So number one, choose to live a disciplined life. Number two, wow, time is flying. Um, resist the devil. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 to 9 says this, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Paul, uh, Peter says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. This goes back a little bit, this bit, to what we were talking about last week. Because God opposes the proud and shows favour to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand and he lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So Peter here is saying about one, we need to, you know, be humble again, be, be gentle hearted, as we talked about last week, but humble ourselves under God's mighty hand so he can lift us up, but be alert and of sober mind, basically wise up. I believe is what Peter's saying here. Wise up you know, to the schemes of the devil. The devil knows what your weaknesses are. You know, we're talking about self-control and talking about sin. And you know, the devil knows what your weaknesses are. And you know, we, sometimes we have to wise up to that. And just to be aware of the way the devil works. As your enemy, the devil prowls around like a ro roaring lion. Remember that he's not a roaring lion. Yeah, the devil might like think he's a roaring lion. Now, Jesus is a, is a lion of the tribe of Judah, amen. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for people to devour. We, we know as well 1 John 10 10, where uh, John 10 10, you know, where, where Jesus said, you know, that the devil just goes around to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. You know, that's that's kind of like just what the devil does. He steals, he kills and destroys. He goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And too many Christians just, just, just don't have their eyes open. You know, to what the devil does and the devil will, will try and bombard you with things in your in your world in order to get you to you know to uh, give him to temptation you know especially in our in our thought lives and we'll come on to our, our thought life in a second well the devil knows our weakness and it, and the devil also knows how deceptive sin is you know the reality of sin is it promises everything isn't it, it promises well you're going to be satisfied we talked a little earlier about our sensual appetites, taking master of our sensual appetites is what self-control means. You know, the things that are what we see and hear and etc. will say, oh, that, that's good. You know, the deception of sin is that, that will bring us satisfaction. But the reality of sin is it does not deliver anything good. So basically it promises everything, but delivers nothing except except for, you know, destruction. And ultimately the wage, if we're not, you know, if we don't accept God's forgiveness, the wages of sin, or if we don't you know, know God, become a Christian, the wages of sin is death. That's the reality. The deception of sin, it promises everything but delivers nothing. So be sober-minded, as, as, as Peter says here. So basically wake up. Wake up to the, the realities of what the devil will try and bombard you with. He's aware of the, the, the temptations and the things that you struggle with. Maybe you struggle with historically, maybe you're just struggling with at the moment. The devil is fully aware of those things and he will do everything he can possibly do to get you to fall into his trap. Basically, He will set traps up everywhere. So wise up to the traps of the devil. And then and resist resist the devil. Submit yourself under God's hand. Be humble and resist the devil. Say, devil, you have no right to do this in my life. So speak to the devil, just like just like Jesus did. Jesus showed us there how to how to do it, didn't he? In the desert, when he spoke to the devil and said, you know, away from me, away from me, Satan. You worship the Lord your God and Him only. Stand stand firm in the faith. So, how to live in a self-controlled way? Choose to live a disciplined life. Number one. Number two. Resist the devil. 
remember the devil hasn't has no right to have any authority in your life just like sin has no right to have any mastery over your life the devil has absolutely no right you know to your life you, you've come out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son that he loves you're, you're not you're not in his his dominion you're not in his kingdom you're in you're in the kingdom of god he has absolutely no right no legal claim and he has no authority over you amen so you need to remind remind him of that so number three take thoughts captives as i said we come on to thinking so 2 corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5 paul says this for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ amen just before i, I continue i would really, really encourage you if you haven't watched it to watch um tuesday just gone watch uh, pastor andy's talking church because he basically does a whole kind of 45 minutes to an hour on this about taking thoughts captive and kind of what that looks like and how we uh, get victory in that area so i don't have time to speak as long as that and, and it was it was absolutely brilliant so that's last tuesday's i'm talking church you can find that on youtube just look for fc live and you can find it you can find it there so i'd really recommend that so all sins start with temptation sin doesn't just suddenly just start with sin and it always starts with a temptation and temptation always starts with a thought doesn't it always starts with a thought when it comes into your mind whatever however that thought's been generated you know whether it's the devil bombarding you whether it's whether it's just your own thoughts you've generated then all sins start with temptation that temptation starts with a thought for example anger starts with a thought doesn't it you may be thinking about something or somebody's done something to you and the more you think about it you just get more and more worked up and more and more anger and then you i don't know you lash out or you shout with them or or, or swear at them or you know something happens that, that, that shouldn't have happened um, in that situation but it all started with a thought you know if you take about like the sin of adultery um, you know where someone breaks their marriage vows that adultery the, the the issue didn't start with the adultery it started with a thought that went back you know a thought about oh, i could have a relationship with that person you know it needed to be dealt with at that thought level and then they could have had complete victory in that situation so all all sin starts with a thought that's where the temptation comes on romans 12 verse 1 to 2 says you know do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds our minds need to be continually renewed and the way we do that is just to get into the word of god and just let the word of god just flood uh, flood our thinking you know this world has a way of thinking that's what paul was talking about here the pattern of the world the world has a way of thinking but don't think that way be transformed by a new mind flood yourself with the word of god flood yourself with positive the positive people as well do whatever you need to do also just take those thoughts captive so basically when temptation comes you do not and this is this is what jesus uh, did over and over again you, you do not have to you know submit to that thought you can take that thought captive we demolish look at 2 corinthians 10 again verse 5 we demolish arguments every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of god we take captive every thought make it obedient to christ and jesus was an absolute master of this we do that because remember it says we've looked at in hebrews he was tempted in every way but he was always victorious because at every level every thought level he dealt with it there and then and made it completely subject you know subject to god he didn't let it germinate because the thing is with is when when it you know a thought you know when the seed or seed of a thought you know it's, it stays there and it will start to germinate it will start to grow and ultimately if nothing is not dealt with if it kind of you know killed at that level dealt with at that level made obedient to christ and you know, rejected all the devil's not resisted is that uh, thoughts not resisted or we're not transformed by a new mind you know once that thought germinates it will produce a harvest and that harvest will be sin you know, the thought will, and 
you know, you'll start to think, oh, that would actually be good, I, I could do that. And then ultimately um, you will do it unless it's dealt with at that thought level. So, so that's, that's the key to being victorious. Whatever the thing that you may be struggling with is to deal with it at the thought level before it can take root. Amen. And it will no longer have any power over you. And Jesus showed us how to do that. So how do we live in a self-controlled way? We choose to live a disciplined life. Number two, resist the devil. Remember, he has no authority over you. Number three, take thoughts captive. Deal with it at the root level. When thoughts come in, where well, you know full well, you might just see a man or a woman walking down the street and a thought enters your mind. You know it's not, it's, it's not right. You know, let's be real about this stuff. Deal with it at the thought level. Do not let it germinate. Do not let it take root. Do not let it become, become a seed and produce a harvest. Deal with it at that thought level and, and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. And number four, rely on God. This would be true of all the aspects of the fruit, of course, but rely on God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Praise God. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So God is so, so faithful. And God will always provide a way out. So in that sense, there's no excuses. I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad. I don't make myself feel bad. But the reality is there's no excuses because God will, God will always provide a way out you know, when, when we're bombarded by, bombarded by temptations. But God is so, so faithful. You know, you can't do it in your own strength, but God will, will provide and he'll give you the strength when we rely on him. He'll give us the strength and empower us and equip us you know, to get through that situation and to find victory. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10, again, Paul speaking, he says this, well-known scripture, he says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, the context is Paul was struggling with some stuff. But, and he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now his grace, his unmerited favour, is sufficient for you, man. That is great news. And when we feel weak and under temptation, and maybe you do feel weak, maybe some stuff in your life going on right now, maybe there's some habits that, are, that, that you're struggling with, maybe there's some, some thoughts you know aren't good that are, that's dominating your thinking. What I want to say to you, maybe you're feeling weak, but because of him, you can be strong. Maybe you, maybe you genuinely are weak, but declare that over yourself. Because of him, I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. For in Christ, I delight in weaknesses, insults, and in persecutions and weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power. The word power there is, is the word, Greek word is dynamis, where we get the word like uh, dynamite um, from. His explosive or miracle working power, it can, be, it can be described as. His grace is sufficient for him, for, for you, for his miracle working explosive incredible amazing power is made perfect in your weakness so what paul was saying here is he could rejoice in his weaknesses because not those weaknesses were good in themselves but they were opportunities for god just to show um, his incredible power and to show his incredible strength and and uh, and to, for god to bring victory in those situations so if you're feeling weak on some stuff you know god wants you to be strong declare that speak that over yourself his his grace his miracle working power is made perfect in your weakness Amen. So time's, time's coming to a close uh, very quickly. You know, so maybe some things that are just you're, you're struggling with at the moment. You know, I'll just write down some examples. Oh, these, these can be things that you know, we can battle with. You know, anger, hate, lying, lust, 
um, procrastination, or kind of what I mean by that is just time wasting, not using our time well. Uh, that could be a, a you know thing where we can lack discipline. Um, you know where we spend all our time doing you know watching TV or watching Netflix or on the internet when we could. And I'm not saying those things are uh, the evil and wrong things um, in in and of themselves, although there could be aspects of those things that are wrong clearly. Um, but you know, not spending time with God because we're just spending all our time on on other things. You know, just not using time well. So there, there could be loads of different diff different things. Um, you know, the, the, whatever the temptations and can be, um, you know, going on in your world. But God wants you to have total dominion over them. He wants you to have total self-control. He wants you to have mastery. You can have mastery over anger. You can have mastery over, over lying. You can have mastery over lust. You can have mastery over uh, procrastination. You can have mastery over porn. You can have mastery over any, any addictions. You can have mastery in those situations because of who God is. Amen. And that's God's desire to grow this aspect of the fruit in you. Because if Jesus can do it, then, then we can do it. By taking thoughts captive. Amen. By relying on God. By choosing, by starting with a place of choosing to live a disciplined life and, and, and living for a prize that is eternal. Amen. And by resisting the devil, wising up to the schemes of the devil, that he will try, he will try and trap you. And also I just encourage, just sometimes you have to take practical uh, steps as well you know if you if you you know, struggle yeah to i don't know not not uh if you struggle to not watch uh things you shouldn't watch on tv let's be very real about this stuff you know make yourself accountable uh to someone on that if you struggle with stuff that's on the internet again make yourself accountable to that if you're if you're married uh, speak to your spouse about it because it's important to be accountable and open before them get them to put passwords on it good just do whatever you need to do but wise up to the schemes of the devil because he will try and trap you because he knows what your weaknesses are but the great news is you can be victorious maybe you don't feel victorious because remember like paul said he didn't feel victorious he felt weak but you can't but in because in our weakness then god can show his strength even in those situations you'd be victorious take thoughts captive deal with them at a thought level don't let it take root and you can have self-control in your life amen praise god he's he's so good and it's all all because of jesus that we can have uh, the victory you know whatever you know life bombards us with or the devil will try and bombard us with we can have victory because of who jesus is you know the fruit of the spirit is amazing there and god decides to grow all those nine aspects of the fruit in in your life you know they are a description of jesus he god wants to be more and more christ-like so god desires to grow love in you and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control submit to the holy spirit who dwells within you maybe being bought at a price your your body is a temple the holy spirit he lives in you make yourself subject to the spirit and he will grow each of those aspects of the fruit of the spirit from minute to minute and hour to hour and day to day just continue to grow into those and as you, as you grow in each aspect of that you'll become more and more like jesus start looking more and more like jesus and that's that's i'm sure that's your desire that's certainly my desire i'm sure your desire too to become more and more like jesus amen and we can do it because of his strength and it's, it's all about Jesus and it's all because of his spirit that dwells within us. Amen. Let's, let's just pray to close. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're so good. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us to empower us and, and to equip us, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And Lord, we want to grow in every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. We want to grow in self-control. Lord, we want to have mastery over situations. Lord, we want to have, Lord, be, have, Lord, have mastery over situations and then not have mastery over us. 
for us to overpower situations, for them not to have power over us, just like you did in every situation. Lord, you had complete control. You had total self-control. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I pray we'll be a disciplined people. Lord, Lord, we'll take thoughts captive. Lord, we'll resist the devil, Lord God. Lord, and we'll totally rely on you. And I pray, Lord, in all the nine aspects as well, you just, Lord, we'll just continue to grow in love and peace and patience and kindness and all of them, Lord God. You will just, Lord, make us look more and more like you. Lord, we just choose to be a body of people that are totally submitted to your spirit. Lord, use us for your purposes and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So don't forget this time next week, we've got our refocus, um, eight o'clock. Yeah, please be part of that. I'd really, really encourage you. We've got some you know, uh, exciting stuff that we're going to be talking about. Um, so that's going to be good. So that's going to be eight, eight till nine um, next Sunday. Have a really, really great week. Myself and Wendy continue to pray for you. Um, there's loads of great stuff you can connect with this week. Don't forget the parenting course. First one is this Thursday. Um, it's Bible study tomorrow um, with Pastor Gina. Um, Pastor Andy's Talking Church. Um, this coming Tuesday, there's connect groups and other stuff going on this week. So there's, there's loads of great stuff going on. Um, Wendy's got a book club um, starting tomorrow night, um, which is going through Soul, the Soul Winner book, which is an amazing, amazing book. Um, so let that speak into your life. So that's that's for ladies. That's starting tomorrow night. So ladies, you should have all the details of that, I believe. Um, yes, yeah, so there's loads of great stuff going on for the week. So let's stay connected during this lockdown period. Let's, let's yeah, stay focused on God. And yeah, we love you and we miss you. And yeah, praying for you. And we'll see you very soon. Bye.